Welcome to Bunny Hugs and Mental Health, the podcast that deals with all things mental health. We talk to professionals, survivors, and loved ones about their sometimes informative, sometimes uplifting, and sometimes tragic stories. I'm your host of the show, Todd Runnebaum, advocate, recovering addict, experienced sufferer of depression and anxiety, and author of the children's book, Sometimes Daddy Cries. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bunny Hugs and Mental Health. I am Todd Rennebaum and I hope you all had a very nice week. I hope you weren't itching with too much anticipation for, for the next episode. And if you were, well, good news. It's It's been released. You're listening to it now. Anyway, I'd just like to thank everybody that has either shared or made nice comments to me on Facebook or on Instagram. On Instagram, my handle is Daddy Cries Book. Uh, it's a long story why I don't have my own for the podcast, but doesn't matter. And uh, Bunny Hugs and Mental Health on Facebook. Uh, I'd especially like to give a thank you to YXE Social Justice on Instagram for sharing and saying some nice things, along with Kyle McClintock. Lori Donaldson and Jacqueline Rennebaum. Thank you so much for all the very nice comments and and uh, yeah, all the suggestions and all the all the wonderful nice things people are doing. I'd also like to give a quick thank you to the latest sponsor of the show, uh, Penny University Bookstore. They are located at 3104 13th Avenue. Uh, you can go in there and talk to the lovely Annabelle and her staff. Their phone number is 639-571-2186. And if you if you don't like talking to people and going to places, you can go to the bookstore online, pennyu.ca, and you can shop and buy all the wonderful books you want online there. This episode, I speak to uh, a good friend of mine. I've known him for at least 25 years, maybe a little longer. And his name is Dan Scharflug, or something like that. He's got one of those names that I could never pronounce right. So anyway, um, he is an Army veteran. Army? Yeah, I think, or maybe Air Force. You know, it doesn't matter. He's a veteran. He was in Afghanistan. He's working through some PTSD. Uh, He had some anxiety when he was younger as well. And uh, he's going to talk about... uh, He's going to talk about his story and how all that affected his uh, his personal life, uh, what he's doing now, what treatment looks like for PTSD, and, and kind of how it affects him. And so, yeah, we've got another great, great guest and another great story. So, without further ado, I give you Dan. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I mean... All things considering what's uh, what's going on all over the place, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing good. Like I, I could, I could see how a lot of people can go down that dark, scary hole, especially like, you know, when you can't go and see like your support system or have your support system over or anything like that, right? So. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, all things considered, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Um, this year has been tougher than the last few, I guess, but, 
you know, I used to go to AA meetings, but those all shut down. I've been to an AA meeting in a year, and um, there's just been weird stuff at work with fires and being laid off and stuff. So it's been been a bit of a struggle. I don't know. It's I've had more panic attacks this last year than I have the previous three, but also a lot of great stuffs happened this year. So it's I just take it as it comes, I guess. Yeah. Well, and that's all you can do, right? Like if uh, if you don't kind of keep pushing forward and then some of that good stuff just just doesn't pan out or whatever right so good on you for doing like this and your book and everything right like thanks man um it's uh it's good It, it was very pleasant to see something like especially your book coming out Hmm. that hasn't been done before and it's such it and it's a real thing right so i know like when i came back from overseas like the boys were five turning six mm-hmm. you know i'm going through my stuff well what do you tell a five and six year old or you know five turning six right so yeah i mean like that's that's super awesome that you have that uh have that out there where you know other other parents can kind of take that as a guidebook type thing and be able to you know sit down with their with their kids that's super awesome yeah thanks man yeah it's it's been interesting too bad i can't go out and promote it because there's a pandemic but other than online but (laughs) it's been good but you're not interviewing me we're talking about you so yes, Dan. Let's start from the beginning. When you were young, I know that you okay. had uh, you were in the hospital a few times, and you had some issues with mental health back then. Even yeah, that was uh, a lot of anxiety with regards to um more or less like family dynamic and um just basically working with my stepdad. It was, uh, yeah, it was interesting because, <laughs> you know, he he came in uh, to the picture. He hadn't he hadn't been married. He hadn't had any kids of his own, so he's like brand new to the whole situation. So trying to, uh, I guess, uh, take on that plus you know his everyday everyday life. You know, things got, uh, you know, things got a little heated and, you know, and there was, there was a couple of times where I just kind of said, Hey, I need a break. And, and that's what I went and did. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I was able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of, you know, refocus on, on, on the better things as opposed to, uh, the, the bad things. Right. And, and I'm, I'm not saying by any means, like was my, was my childhood horrible or anything, but it was just, it was a different, um, just a different situation for all of us. So, I mean, once, once we got all through that and, and, uh, yeah, things, things turned around and, and we, we just went on living our little happy lives, making sausage and selling beef jerky. <laughs> I was going to mention the beef jerky. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, the the jerky I I miss I miss so much and at the time cuz I working at my dad's store, I I just got sick of it and everybody would be like, "Dan, you know, get us some beef jerky." I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't I can't look at it anymore." <laughs> but now that it's not here, yeah. I'm like, "Oh my god, I want that beef jerky so bad." Do and do mind me telling the your dad's shop name oh yeah for sure go ahead yeah it was oscar's meats in regina that's dan's uh stepdad yeah he had that um he had that for 35 years i believe and he actually he actually retired the year after i got out of or i the year that i released from the military so Hmm. that would have been 2015 so when you were younger, you weren't actually diagnosed with anything. It was mostly anxiety and just from, well, you're a sensitive guy. You got anxiety. So it was life situations. It was Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. And uh, something I learned from you, um, from one of your stays in the hospital is don't ever date anyone you meet in the psych ward. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that was you know what at the time it seemed like a good idea <laughs> of course it really did yeah. you know you know you're you're two people in the same spot and you know what what better way to kind of i guess help each other and i don't know support each other yeah i so yeah you know i at at the time like i said it seemed like a good idea but you know, uh, unfortunately it wasn't. And, uh, I mean, we obviously went our separate ways after, I don't even think it was very long. I think it was probably about a month. And then, and I, and I pretty much said that, yeah, I can't do this anymore. So, well, Hey man, in treatment center where I work and where I went to, man, I don't know how many relationships start in that, that place and they never end up good. It's like, no, you're here to get help for yourself. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't try to save everyone around you and, uh, start dating people. Cause yeah, it never ends well. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I had to throw that but, in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and you know, I, I, I kind of, I was, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if he's going to bring that up because, <laughs> and I'm I'm not even sure why I even thought of it, but I'm glad you did because it's <laughs> it's one it's one of those it's one of those chapters or whatever that you know you shouldn't you shouldn't really forget about the past. You should just kind of you know any anything that you um, feel that was a mistake or even if it was a victory. You still need to chalk that up as as a life experience, right? So absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, God, that was tw- probably twenty years ago. We're old, man. Oh, I know I'm old. I'm I. You know, sometimes I get out of bed and I feel like I'm I'm nineteen again. But then there's other days I get out of bed and I feel like I'm eighty. And yeah, it's uh, yeah we. Well, and you and I, we've we've known each other for 
well, since high school. So that's yeah. got to be 25 20, years. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So I know I got it. I know I got a couple of years on you, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, time flies, especially when you, when time flies, when life gets in the way, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. but it's good though, right? Cause you know, you, you, uh, you gain those life experiences and that, you know, some of them you wish you could take back. Some of them you wish that could keep going, but I mean, it is what it is. And, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it made me the person I am today. Yeah. And, you know, I was going to, I was going to bring, bring this up a little bit later on, but I'm going to bring it up now. All right. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much um, of your background like that you've that you've shared but I bet I bet some people need to know that you are a phenomenal drummer <laughs> phenomenal I mean like not anymore I just I'm, tried the other day I, you know, and I was like oh my god <laughs> Are you still using that five gallon pail to sit on too, <laughs> or, do, or do you actually have a, or do you actually have a stool? <laughs> no, it's still the pail, the same one. The same one yet? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, it's not I about remember, me. I know it's not about. Yeah, I just had to throw that in there. So go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so. You're in your younger 20s. You've gone to the hospital a couple of times. You've had some experience with uh, doing that, going to the hospital, having some anxiety. You join the military and you go overseas to Afghanistan. Take it away. Yes. All right. So I, uh, I actually was sworn in September... 6th 2001 damn and I on September 11th I was actually running around getting all the stuff that I needed to get done before I went to basic training and I at that point I think I maybe listened to the radio in my car like maybe three times the rest of the times like all mixtapes or CDs or whatever right Mm mm-hmm and I get to my dad's store, and he's like, "You're going to war." I'm like, "What are you What are you talking about? I'm going to basic. There's no war going on." And he's like, "Nope they they blew up the World Trade Center. What?" Hmm. So now, I turn on the radio. I'm I'm driving home, and I sat there and I watched with my mom, like pretty much for the the rest of the day, rest of the night. And all of a sudden, it clued in. Like, well, if they're shutting down airports, how am I supposed to get the basic? Because I'm, uh, I'm supposed to be going to uh, Gagetown, New Brunswick. So I get on the phone with, with the uh, recruiting office, and uh, they said, "Worst case scenario, we'll put you on a bus." I'm like, "Okay, great. You know, go across like five provinces in a bus. That sounds <laughs> super fun." But, anyways, I get there, basic training, and. Uh, I finished that up. I went on to my trades course in in Borden, Ontario. Um, then I got posted to uh, 
CFB Shiloh, just outside Brandon, Manitoba. And um, I always had my name on the list to deploy overseas. Um, it, it, took, it took a few years. It was 2008 when I actually deployed. <laughs> um, and that was just because, you know, there's, there's at that point in time, there's, there were so many people that have joined that want to go and do the, and fight the good fight and, and, you know, serve their country type thing. And so I, you know, I had to wait a little bit, but yeah, I, I get there and I mean, it's, it's a total culture shock with regards to, you know, you're, you're used to driving down, you're used to driving down Albert street and seeing, um, buildings that are in one piece and, and stoplights and you, you go there, you're driving down the street in in Kandahar and, you know, there's dilapidated buildings and camels hmm. instead of cars and there's no streetlights. I think there was, I think I maybe saw a stop sign or a partial stop sign. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was a, a, a very, very big culture shock. Um, and so the way it worked there was like the, there was the main, the main airfield. So Kandahar airfield, and that housed all of the, all of the militaries that were part of the mission. So you had everybody from Canada to Britain, US, um, Australia, Denmark, um, like, yeah, there was, there was thousands and thousands of people. It was like a mini city. Hmm. They had, um, green beans, coffee. They had Tim Hortons. They had a Burger King. Um, I mean, like if you're hanging out at the airfield, like it's no different than being in like Indian head, like it it had everything you needed right mm-hmm. so for the most part <clears throat> i was i was actually outside of the air base at a forward operating base so i was outside the wire and where i was was considered considered the wild wild west it was the panjway district um a lot of a lot of bad scary stuff went on there almost daily and it could be um a mortar attack at three o'clock in the morning or a rocket attack at supper time um we had like a, a a tally of everything that would come in on a daily basis and i think in one week we had um, 10 or 12 mortar attacks and the same, if not more of rocket attacks. So, Hmm. I mean, it was, it was, it was very different to try to kind of put, put in your mind that, you know, this is your new normal for the next six months or seven months or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but the scary thing is like a a person gets used to it right so we had 
we had tanks that were parked up on the high points of this base. And it got to the point when the tank would fire around. And they make a lot of noise that I would, I would sleep through it. Hmm. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even turn over. Everybody else would be like, oh my God, something's happening, the tank fired. And I just, I'd wake up the next day and be like, you didn't hear what was going on last night? And I'm like, no, what happened? Hmm. So, I mean, I guess I got a little bit too used to my surroundings, but, uh, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was very, very different. Um, and even, even with, the uh, like we're, we had local, um, workers that would come to the base like every day and they would, you know, like wash pots or, um, do you know they would do odd jobs whatever because there's basically no other job in the area for them to do because the Taliban either ran it or did or even like the schools like we had we had a few school age kids that would come wash pots because the Taliban blew up their school or whatever right so hmm. i mean you you start you start getting all this all this coming at you and you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to, you know, try to, try to help in any way possible. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit of a ride. That's for sure. Hmm. So when those rocket mortar attacks happen, like how long do they last for? I mean, they're, these guys are pretty, these Taliban, they're pretty smart. So they could actually set up a mortar pointed at our camp. They could, they could set it up about five or six hours before it actually goes off. Hmm. And what they would do is they would put a hunk of ice down the mortar tube and then they would put the round down and then it would just sit there in the sun hmm. and it would melt that ice and as soon as that ice melted that's that's when the mortar would would fire so they would do this at like you know three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning in the dark where maybe maybe we in a spot where guys aren't really paying too much attention to and then all of a sudden midday heat starts you know hitting this mortar and but there's nobody there right so mm -hmm. um yeah like they were so it's just random just keep you on your toes keep oh you, yeah keep and them it, in your head yeah exactly and and it's and i i've i've told somebody this once it's it was like their version of psychological warfare because like you don't you don't know you don't know what's what's gonna happen um, I had, uh, yeah, I had a lot of, a lot of times, you know, just walking out, going to the, um, to our area and, oh, we got to go back into the bunker cause we just, 
no, okay, well, just turn around and go back into the bunker until it's all safe, and then, yeah, you just, you just don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember when you came back, and you didn't actually tell me a lot of stuff. You told me some stuff, but you were like, it was still pretty fresh and, and painful, I guess, and it was like, so this, like, I've never heard a lot of this stuff. Um, I remember you telling me how you got a lot of anxiety when you came back because of certain vehicles. Yeah. And you know what? That is still to this day. Not as bad, Hmm. but still to this day, white Toyota Corollas are Hmm. like triggers for me. And the reason for that is when... When I was overseas and like before you go on a, on a road move, so like before you get into like the armored vehicles and go, go for where, wherever you're going, uh, we would have a, uh, a briefing before and at the end of each briefing, they would say, okay, well, everybody needs to watch out for uh, this white Toyota Corolla. It's got flowers hanging from the rear view mirror or this white Toyota Corolla that has uh, a huge dent in the trunk, but they were all white Toyota Corollas. So when I got home, I, that, that was just something that's stayed in my mind. And like, I would get to, I would get to a, a, a stoplight and one would pull up and I just all of a sudden clammy hands, I'd start sweating and I'd just be waiting for that light to turn so I could just, like, gun it and get the hell away from this this uh, car. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, I mean, um, I still get a little, it's, it's not to the same extent, like, but I still get a little antsy. Um, it's, it's easier now when like I, I drive a truck so I mean like my truck's bigger than their car so that makes me feel a little bit safer <laughs> um but uh need a Hummer I mean well not quite but it's 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 a big enough truck that makes me feel like I'm a little bit higher and got a little bit more to me than their car so but yeah, I mean, that was that was the thing, and I was for for a long for a long time I was just not wanting to drive anywhere. Even though I wasn't a driver, or I didn't drive while I was overseas, it was just being in that situation, knowing that this was going going on, and um, it just yeah, it just stuck to me. Unfortunately, um, I mean, like, I, I feel, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the good out of this and I feel I'm a little bit better of a driver now knowing or having that, that issue. Hmm. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing because I was a horrible driver before, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to go to Afghanistan to learn how to drive. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
if that's all the stories you want to tell about Afghanistan, that's fine. I don't know if you have other triggering ones or more graphic ones or whatever, but um, really want to, I don't want to just talk about that stuff. I want to talk about uh, PTSD and what that looks like and what that feels like in your everyday. Like I've never experienced it as far as I know. So is it like a depression or is it anxiety? Is it a mix of both? Is it a whole other thing? Oh, it's, it's a basket full of fun stuff, buddy. I mean, uh, so for, for myself, um, I've been diagnosed with PTSD and a nightmare disorder. Hmm. So with the nightmare disorder, I basically, um, I, I have the exact same nightmare every night. It affects me differently every night, uh, but every night, like clockwork, I have the exact same nightmare. Um, there's days where, I mean, I could go, I could go three or four days, and maybe getting, I don't know, two, two three hours of sleep a night. Just because when I do have this nightmare, I'm like up, Mm -hmm. I'm up, I'm awake. Um, So a lot of times, you know, instead of just staying in bed, lying awake or, or even just putting the TV on in the room, um, like I don't want to wake up, I don't want to wake up Jackie. So I just go to the couch and if I doze off later on, I doze off. So... Um, that's, that's part of it. Um, and my, the PTSD part of it is I am not a huge fan of going like perfect example, Christmas shopping. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that I can order stuff online just because well, I guess not so much this past year because <laughs> nobody could really go out and do a whole bunch of Christmas shopping. But I mean, like, yeah, years before, like going to a mall that's like packed full of people. No, I, I don't like that. I get very on edge. I'm very watchful. Um, I start getting like the cold sweats and clammy hands and... <laughs> It's there like paranoia in that too? Yep. There's yeah, okay. there's a little bit of paranoia in that too. Um, especially especially going into a mall because you don't know like sure you may know the mall in general, but you don't know the people in the mall. Mm-hmm. So that's where some of the paranoia would come in. Um I would you know, I'd be constantly looking around and just trying trying to get what I need done as fast as I can so I can get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do find it easier. Now, this m- might sound crazy to some people, but Vegas is my favorite place to go ever on a trip. I love going to Vegas. I love seeing the lights and all this stuff. But when you go to Vegas, there's like 10 million people walking around 
for some reason, as long as I'm with, if I'm with a group of people that I trust already, it's not, it's not so bad. Hmm. I can get through it. But when I go to Walmart week Christmas to go get that last minute thing, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. I'm just going to order it online and hope it gets there in time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So when you came back, you were married with kids, right? Yes. I was, uh, I was married. I've got twin boys who are now 17. Um, so when I, when I came back, they were five, uh, actually just, they just started kindergarten probably a week or so before I got back. So and how did, sorry, go I was ahead, just going to say, how, how did this affect your, your home life and, and your personal life and that? Yeah, it, uh, it, it, it didn't do it any justice. That's for sure. I mean, right. in, in the beginning, like I probably stayed in bed maybe one day out of the week. Um, and then there was the, um, I guess the lack of support from, from my spouse at the time. And, you know, and thinking, thinking back, like, I, I don't really, I don't really blame her per se for that lack of support. I guess I just blame the um, lack of education at that time. Right. Um, that was out. Right? right. And, you know, and it just, it, it got to the point where, you know, things, things just would work out better if we weren't together. And, um, we just kind of decided on that. We did, we had a separation and, uh, you know, we split the time with the boys and all that stuff. And, and like the, the good thing, I guess I came, came from that was that we were still able to have a amicable relationship Hmm. for the sake of the boys. Right. Um, at, at, at the end of the day, as long as the boys were happy, fed, had clothes, everything, you know, all the, all the boxes were checked, you know, we were, we were both in a good place and like, and being able to talk normally without, you know, getting into fights and stuff like that, um, surely helped the situation as well. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it is what it is, but, um, it's one of those chapters, chapters that I, I look back on and, you know, I always like to ask myself, you know, like, what if I were to do this or what if I were to do that? But I mean, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it, it, it did cause a lot of the the reason behind the breakup. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, 
we I just kind of pushed on and so did that did the divorce and the split up kind of affect your mental health even more so now like so now you have PTSD and did you kind of have a broken heart or you felt degraded at all or anything like that yeah I mean like there was it was it was tough it was tough in the beginning um especially because at that time I was also transitioning my way out of the military so now now a job that I loved dearly I couldn't do anymore mm-hmm. and then I had I had my divorce so there was yeah there was a lot of times where Dan felt sorry for himself and you know I would I would I would be an active member of society when I had the boys because I you know you have to you can't just you can't just sit there and not do stuff or whatever yeah um with them when they when they come see it because they're excited to see it. they want to you know they want to go go outside they didn't play hockey or whatever right so yeah during during that time i i would say that would be my my saving grace time but when i didn't have the boys and i didn't have um and i didn't have to be that active member of society i there'd be days where i would i'd wake up at noon i'd be like well i don't have anything going on today i'm just gonna go back to bed because i got i got nothing so it you know I just sleep and um not really not really care type thing about if I went and got together with friends or anything like that. I just I was happy to stay home. Um I was even happier staying home in my bed watching Netflix or whatever right so um yeah yeah, it was it was it was tough and like looking looking back now I mean I I wish I wish I could go back and kick myself in the ass when when all this was going on but yeah like once again it's a life lesson right so um it, well, I mean, uh, it was. It, you had anxiety just working with your stepdad. Like it's understandable that you go to a whole other country and whole other culture, and you're being bombed weekly, and then to come home and to feel this way. So, I, I wouldn't feel so. Too, don't feel too bad that you 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 know took some time for yourself to. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're right. Like it's. Uh, but on the other hand, it, it just, I guess it just uh, kind of made, made things harder, I guess, if, you know? It, it, yeah, I mean, I do. But. Yeah, so, but uh, yeah, that was, 
that was that was tough and but like at the end of the day we all we all agreed it was for for the best and I mean I feel I'm a better person for it and I'm a million times better now than than I was back then um and like I I I never I never I was never one for I'm I'm going I'm I'm trying to think of a way to put this. I was never one for not turning down an invitation to go out for drinks and whatnot. I was ne- I, I've never you've known me for years Todd. Yeah. You know that. You're a very social if, guy. Yeah, if if you said hey Tyson and, and whoever else wants to go for beers, you know, you know, I'm the first one there. Yeah. But I, I did notice at that, at that time in my life that, you know, maybe I, maybe I overindulged a little more than I probably should have. By no mm-hmm. means that I, like, I didn't, it didn't turn like problematic or, or anything like that. But I, I do remember, especially the first month or two that a couple of my buddies, they're like, okay, well we got to get you out so you can forget about this. And I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much you drink. It's still, it's still going to be there in the morning. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but like I, I didn't, I didn't I didn't feel the need to have to do it. I just, I guess I just wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, like I, I still, I still like to have my cocktails once in a while, but I mean, comparing from then until now, I mean, I'm lucky if I, and I shouldn't say I'm lucky, but I mean, if once a month I mm. have more than three beers or whatever, it's a, it's a party, right? So, I mean, like <laughs> things change and, and, and people change and, you know, you get older and you, those hangovers are uh, even worse when you're older. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's probably for the better. But uh, yeah. Okay, so now you've you've gone to overseas. You've come home. Your personal life's kind of you know a bit of a mess. You divorce. You're drinking a little more. You're sleeping in bed a lot. Uh, at what point did you kind of start seeking help or getting any kind of treatment or anything? Um. I, I woke up one day and I just decided that I can't do this anymore for myself. Because um, as much as it sounds good to be in bed all day, it's, it, it isn't. I mean, yeah. like you just get, you just get sucked into that black hole even more, right? That's, and, and, and that's what it wants. It just wants you to to feel more more 
defeated, right? Yeah. So I just woke up one morning and I made a I made an appointment with my doctor. I said, "What pills do I absolutely need, and which ones don't I need?" And she's like, "Well, I don't think you need these ones." So I took those out of my life and I was able to get up at a decent time and not feel like I needed to go back to bed. A lot of a lot of the stuff I was on, I was very, very groggy when I got up, right? So I just would be like, oh, well, I'm still tired, so I'm going to go back to bed. And, oh, it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon now. There goes my day. Um, so I took, I took all that stuff out. Um, I started to... Uh, to you know kind of get back into some physical activity i got playing hockey again i um i just all all in all i made i made that a change for the better just because i didn't like who i saw in the mirror right and you kind of took it upon yourself to be proactive and and kick yourself in the butt a bit yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm happy I did it. I wish I would have done it sooner, but you know, I maybe I wasn't ready sooner. Right. Maybe I I maybe I needed that that time or 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 whatever. That's that span to kind of kind of feel as crappy as I can and then I just, like I said, I woke up one morning. I said, okay, I'm done. Yeah. I, uh, try, you know, I, I would, uh, I was doing CrossFit, which I mean, sucks, but I mean, <laughs> it, it helped, uh, it helped with a lot of the, um, pent up, uh, stress or, stuff I was mad at and you know it it helped get that out um and you know even even changing my diet at the time like I the only time I would cook uh, a meal is when the boys were were there to see me for for the week or for the weekend or whatever hmm. and besides that I was just eating like absolute garbage. I mean, and, and it wasn't like I didn't have food in the fridge. I always had food in my fridge, but it was just like, well, you know, it's easier just to go get a tub of ice cream and a McCain's cake mm. because I love both and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and eat that for supper as opposed to, well, if I make this, I'm going to have leftovers for like a week. And yeah. yeah, it just seems like way too much. So I'm just going to go get this McCain's cake and and eat it all myself and not care. So, <laughs> yeah, there were some there were some diet changes there, too. And uh, did the military help at all? Uh, yeah, like I was um, at that point. um I had been, 
out of the military for about a year. And because of, uh, I was medically released because of like my PTSD and whatnot. Um, Veterans Affairs covers any, any medical bills, any, um, psychiatry or psychologist, uh, uh, sessions and stuff like that. So I was able to, uh, find, um, find some good, some good people to go talk to and, uh, you know, kind of get back on track to being the person that I can be as opposed to being a person that I didn't want to be. Um, so yeah, that, uh, and still to this day, uh, like clockwork, uh, every two weeks, um, I sit down with uh, my psychologist and, and, you know, some, sometimes I've got, I've got a lot going on and sometimes I don't. Right. So, right. um, but it's just nice to be able to sit there and have that hour conversation with somebody just to kind of be like, okay, this is what's going on. You know, this is what I've been doing. Yeah. You know, and just have somebody, uh, be, you know, listen and affirm what's that, you know, I'm doing or I'm going down the right, right path. Right. I'm not in like some sort of self-destructive mode or whatever. Yeah. And that, you know, everything's going to be okay as long as I keep doing what I'm doing. So, I mean, that's, and that's been a little bit harder because of covid because you know i i usually go into the office uh to uh to to see the to see the uh psychologist but uh, of course now uh, we can't so uh now it's through zoom and i mean it's 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 still good but it's also it's different because i i like I like that time being able to leave the house to go to her office. Right. And just be away from stuff, right? So. It's a new environment and. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but I mean, like, what are you going to do? You can't, uh, you can't not do it because you can't go to the office. You still need that. Um, you still need that uh, headspace mind check every couple of weeks to, you know, make sure you're still on that on that path to um, your your happiness or parts thereof, right? So, mm-hmm. I see on Facebook that uh, you got yourself a horse too, so you got some animal therapy. Yes, you know, this is this is one thing that I really 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 wish I had thought of sooner. But it, I'm not really sure why I didn't think of it sooner. Um years years ago, um I was very involved with um showing horses and stuff with my aunt and I was also very involved in team roping and just being around that whole environment, lifestyle. Um, 
like I was I was always happy, especially like even on on your worst day, a horse is gonna take you with a grain of salt and you're just gonna end up a happier person after being with that horse. Even if you don't even ride the horse, if you just stand there and talk to the horse and pet the horse, you know, all the all that good energy that they have, they they pass on to you and I mean um I started uh I started volunteering out at uh this ranch just outside Steinbeck um Manitoba a few months ago um Cloud 9 Ranch they uh and they do adaptive riding and they do therapy sessions um with with people and so I like I basically I just googled them and I set up an appointment to go out there and I said hey look you know this is my story this is my experience I just want to come out here and and hang out and help out as much as I can and and she's like well you know normally we just don't let anybody here but you've proven that that you know what you're talking about so yeah you can come out whenever you want so since then I've been I've been going out there and then I one of one of the things that I, I really wanted to get back into was the team roping and I'm so I was kinda of humming and hawing and and it's one of those things where yeah, you could probably find somebody that you could borrow a horse from, but it's like borrowing your friend's truck. Like <laughs> yeah. they they always say, Oh yeah, you Our can wife. borrow my truck the moon. but you know the your your friends always say oh yeah you can borrow my truck you know to go move stuff or take stuff to the dump but she at the end of the day you really don't want to borrow that truck right so that was that was my theory when i approached jackie with the idea of getting a horse and so jackie she grew up in winnipeg and lived in the city her whole life so she's very very new to all of this horse stuff and so she had like a whole bunch of questions which is great because i would you know i would i would think that if your partner's gonna buy a horse that you would ask those questions (laughs) um but but she's been so super supportive um with the whole thing and like she and she notices after I come back from being out at the ranch she she can tell that it's something that really truly helps me um as opposed to the weeks that are the weeks or the days that I can't go out there so every second week we we have her uh, five-year-old son those weeks um, it's a little bit harder for me to go out there because I need to be here to kind of watch him so she doesn't get driven crazy by this five-year-old when she's trying to work at home. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, she can she can tell the weeks that I go out there and the weeks that I don't. And I, I can tell, I can tell with my sleep and my, just my overall attitude. Um, so now that I've got this horse, we're going to have to figure out a, bit of a schedule i don't know if maybe when he's here i just go out 
later on in the afternoon when she's done work or even take him with me um because he seems like he's super interested in 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 wanting to learn how to ride and and all this stuff so i mean that's that's awesome i would love to be able to uh to do that and and get him involved too and um but yeah i mean they are super super animals and i would definitely recommend to even people that have never been around a horse to 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 seek out and there's tons of these ranches online that you can that you can find in your area that have like the adaptive riding or the therapy sessions and whatnot and i would i would say like go do it Mm. try it and it's in yeah you're you're gonna love it (laughs) so now we're at present day Your, your boys are 17 you're with a new lady you got yourself a horse sounds like you're doing pretty good I am. I am. You know, I still, I still do have one of those days where, you know, maybe it, it takes me a little bit more to kind of, kind of get, get going and whatnot. But, uh, I mean, besides that, I'm super happy that I've been able to find Jackie because she is such a true support person i mean she like when we first uh when we first met you know she actually researched ptsd because like she she didn't really come across it or or anything like that and you know she she'd ask me questions about what's going on with me and you know compare stuff and and just and just get that knowledge and and she knows that if I'm not having a good day, well, then she will do what she needs to do to make it better or... Or just leave you alone. Yeah. Or, and and sometimes that's that's all I need is just to be left alone for, you know, half a day or an hour or whatever, right? Like it's... Yeah. I'm, I'm truly, truly blessed to have her in my life for that. And... Um, yeah, it just it it just makes it makes the whole situation seem like it's it's something that you can win now as opposed to always feeling like you might be losing all the time, right? And it and it helps that, you know, we've got so many things in common and and it also helps that we've got lots of things that aren't in common, right? And um yeah, to be able to have her around, um, I mean, I, I wish I wish she could have came into the picture uh, way sooner than she did. But I mean, at that time, I guess the stars weren't aligned. But now, now she's here, and I'm very thankful for it. That's for sure. Thank you very much, Dan. I'm so happy to to know you're doing well. And, uh, yeah, it it was just so great talking to you. Um, We actually talked for another hour after the interview. Um, We haven't talked in a few years, but we got one of those relationships where you can do that and you can just pick right up where you left off. And, uh, yeah, it was was just really, really great talking to you again, Dan. I hope to see you in person again sometime soon. 
uh, once you know traveling and all that crap goes back to normal as for next week I speak to Kara Fletcher she has come out with a study and done some research on the language we use when speaking about addiction uh, some of the words are have a very negative connotation to them and so uh, you know, the language we use sometimes perpetuates the stigma and promotes guilt and shame uh, when talking about people in recovery. Uh, even the word recovery, recovery, um, relapse, addict, junkie, clean, dirty, stuff like that. Uh, it's really great uh, study. It's very interesting. So I really look forward to everyone listening to that because... Uh, I think it would be a nice idea to maybe change uh, the stigma when it comes to addiction, and that really starts with the language we use. So anyway, uh, yeah, so listen to that next week. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe, rate, and review however you are listening to this podcast. It only takes a moment, and it really helps the show out with getting noticed. This episode has been sponsored by Penny University Bookstore. 3104 13th Avenue. Call 639-571-2186 and check out their online bookstore at pennyu.ca and Regina Plumbing and Heating. Call 306-585-2000 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. If you are having a mental health crisis, please call the Canadian Crisis Number at 1-833-456-4566 In Saskatchewan, the mobile crisis team in Prince Albert is 306-764-1011. In Regina, it's 306-525-5333. And in Saskatoon, it's 306-933-6200. Don't forget to check out my children's book, Sometimes Daddy Cries. Sometimes Daddy Cries is told through the eyes of a boy whose father suffers from depression sees his dad get sad, rest, and even go to the hospital, all while comparing his father's depression to a physical ailment. Available on Amazon.ca. I'll see you next time. This is Todd Redebaum saying, make your beds and take your meds. Bye!